Welcome to the Heart of the Athlete. This is Reggie Etheridge welcoming you to the radio program for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, featuring what God is doing in the hearts and lives of coaches and athletes in Idaho. Now, here are your hosts. Good morning, Ken. Great to be here, man. Yeah, hey, it's great to be back. And uh, we get to listen to, I know we're kind of in a summer series. We do this each summer. We get to hear from our different camp speakers from our Northwest FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Sport Camp that we host here at NNU each, uh, usually the last week of June. And uh, last week we got to hear from Helen Marillis, the 2016 Olympic, uh, U.S. Uh, Olympic gold medalist. And uh, uh, this morning we get to hear from Ben Corson. Yeah, Ben Corson has been... The- kind of a camp regular over the last few years, son of John Corson out of an Applegate Christian Fellowship. Ben, is he just loves camp, man. He's kind of, he, he's a camper for life, and it's a great honor to have him join us. Um, he makes this camp a priority to come speak at when he can and does a good job of sharing on our, on our camp thing um, of Camp Strong this year. Yeah, so we, uh, you know, like, like Pablo was saying, like you were saying, Pablo, we, we get an opportunity to, to hear from Ben. He, he's been at camp several times since 2010, and uh, it's just been neat to see God move in his life. And I know he's he's a, a great communicator and knows the Bible well. He's a great student of the Bible, so we're excited about hearing from him this morning. But before we do that, we want to thank our sponsors for the uh, the heart of the athlete here. First of all, Mike Verdon, our auto and RV sales there, uh, former quarterback at Boise State. We appreciate his support of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and FCA. Also, Skip Hall and Associates, uh, their wealth management and investment planning uh, services that they provide here in the in the Treasure Valley, as well as Jim's Well Drilling. Um, appreciate their support of SCA. And then also Awakenings Coffee House there in the northwest corner of Overland and Five Mile. Well, folks, sit back and listen to uh, Ben Corson. This is uh, his Wednesday night message at the Northwest SCA Sport Camp held at Northwest Nazarene University back in June. Now watch this. Jesus then replied to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, I give you the keys of the kingdom so that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I now call you Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church. The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now, watch this. When Peter identified who Jesus was, Jesus identified who Peter was. When Peter said, you are the Christ, the anointed King of God, Jesus said, no longer are you going to be called Simon, you are going to be called Peter. He changed his name. He gave him his identity. Why? Because neuroscience has now shown us that when you do brain scans on religious people, not people who are caught up in rules and regulations, but people who believe in God, have a relationship with God, when you do brain scans on believers, what neuroscience has shown us is that people who believe in God have a stronger sense of identity than atheists. So if you believe in God and you do a brain scan, you have a relationship with God, then what happens is you have stronger identity real estate in your cerebral gray matter cranial package. In other words, you know who you are when you define who the God of hope just so happens to be. So Peter defines Jesus. We're dropping bars. Would somebody say amen? Peter identifies Jesus. Then Jesus defines Peter. What did Simon mean? That was his name before. Simon... The root word means shifting sand. Everybody say shifting sand. The name Peter means rock. Everybody say rock. 
So he went from being Sandy to Dwayne Johnson. That is how great the shift was when he defined who Jesus was. Jesus gave Peter his identity. But watch this. Jesus said to Peter, you are the rock. And upon this rock will I build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Question. When you go to battle, what do you fight with? You bring a sword. You bring a spear. You bring your Gimli axe, your Legolas bow and arrow, your Aragorn dagger. But nobody shows up to a battle and says, I'm going to fight using a gate. Nobody uses a gate as a weapon in warfare. Like, if you show up with your sword and you guys show up with your bow and arrow and I come hauling a 100-pound gate, which I probably couldn't lift even if I tried, <laughs> you'd say, Ben, a gate is not an offensive weapon, it is a defensive mechanism. When Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against you, what was he saying? Gates are not offensive weapons, they're defensive mechanisms, which means hell is not on the offense, hell is playing defense because we're the one storming the gates of hell to redirect traffic. So when people say, we're going to fight strong, when people say, oh brother, I'm going through a spiritual attack right now. I want to totally redefine the thing. I want to be honest with you guys. I'm going through a spiritual attack right now. So, oh, Ben, what's wrong? Nothing. Well, you just said you're going through a spiritual attack. Whenever Christians say that, they're always depressed. No, when I say I'm going through a spiritual attack, I mean I'm the one doing the attacking. The gates of hell will not prevail against us, which means we're the ones playing offense, which means we should take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the shield of faith, which can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace, fight a good fight, wage a good warfare, go hunt some demons, because we are the people who have gone through hell and we don't smell like smoke. Instead, we carry buckets of water for those still consumed by the fire. No matter how much the enemy tries to make us give up and give in to despair, we're going to be the people who believe the promises of God. We're going to say, we go from glory to glory, grace to grace, strength to strength, as our days are, so shall our strength be. He turns our sorrow into joy, our mourning into dancing, puts off our sackcloth and girds us with gladness, gives us the garments of praise in exchange for the spirit of heaviness. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. If you sow in tears, then you will reap in joy. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, for they said among the nations, the Lord hath done great things for them. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, for the Lord can save by many or by few. Is his arm too short that it cannot save? Is his ear too dull that it cannot hear? Thou shalt be the head, not the tail. Thou shalt be above, not beneath. Be still and know that I am God, for I will be exalted among the nations. As you meditate day and night on the law of God, you'll be like trees planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in your season, so that your leaf will not wither, and whatever you do will prosper. Psalm 20, may the Lord grant you your heart's desire. Psalm 21, 2, the Lord has granted me my heart's desire. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 145, 19, he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also 
also hear their cry and save them. Proverbs 10.24, the desire of the righteous will be granted. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Psalm 3.6, I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. Psalm 27.1, for the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. So I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to be of good courage. And he will strengthen my heart because if I pass through the waters, he will be with me. When I go through the fires, they will not burn me. When I pass through the rivers, they will not overflood me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I will not be surprised by my fiery tribulations because those fires don't burn me. They just forge me because God works all things together for the good. The Lord our God is a mighty warrior. The battle belongs to the Lord. The Lord your God in the midst of you is mighty. He will save. He will rest in his love. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rejoice over you with singing. Now these things that were written were written aforetime for our learning that through patience and comfort of the scriptures we might have hope. So brethren, whatever things are true, noble, lovely, just, pure, virtuous, and praiseworthy, meditate on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And he who has begun a good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. No eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind hath conceived what the Lord has in store for those who love him. God cannot lie. All the promises of God in him are yes and amen. So we're going to turn to the stronghold of prisoners of hope because even today he declares that he will render and restore double to us. He will restore the years the locusts have eaten. So as Paul the apostle said, we might be hard pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We might be perplexed, but we are not in despair. We might be persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We might be struck down, but we are not destroyed. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? You can't lose. You are utterly incapable of losing. You are, um, I don't know, approximately, roughly speaking, give or take, invincible. You can do all things through him who strengthens you. So we're going to fight strong. You know, you know how much fear we have? None. <gasps> Zero. Zero fear. Jesus said five times in Matthew 6, don't worry. Because the only thing worry changes is your blood pressure. Now I tend to be worried about a lot of stuff. I'm a vegetarian now, but back in the day I used to eat bacon. And I'd be like, oh no, God, because I have OCD. Actually, I have CDO. It's like OCD, but the letters are in alphabetical order like they're supposed to be. Like, oh no, God, there's a hair in my food. God's like, Ben, you're eating bacon. There's a pig in your food. And that's what you're worried about? We tend to be so anxious. Fear, worry, anxiety is so bad for your health. 75 to 95% of the physical sicknesses that plague us today, doctors tell us, are a result of our thought life. The coronary thrombosis, stomach ulcers, the, the, the sicknesses that are the modern diseases of today's generation are often the derivative of stress. We go through life so often afraid, failing to realize that fear releases more than 1,400 known physical and chemical reactions in the body and triggers more than 30 different hormones and neurotransmitters. Bottom line, fear's really bad for your health. The Bible says a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit rots the bones. That's why I want to be somebody who has no fear, no brokenness of spirit, and instead I have a merry heart filled with joy. Did you know that 
This is nuts. The average kid laughs 200 to 400 times every day, and the average adult laughs 14 to 17 times every day. Now, I got a 2.0 grade point average. I have as many IQ points as the Cleveland Browns put on the scoreboard. I don't have as many degrees as a thermometer, and I don't have an alphabet after my name. But this is one thing I do know. It doesn't take rocket scientists to figure out that if the average kid laughs between 200 to 400 times every day and the average adult laughs 14 to 70 times every day, we are not getting more joy, we're getting less joy. And yet, what does the Bible say of the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31? It says, she laughs without fear of the future. <gasps> That's how we're going to live. We're gonna... Did you know God is a laughing God, by the way? Psalm 2, verse 4 says, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. This is one of my favorite ones. Watch this. God just like nukes and cooks the enemy with this one. In Psalm 37, 12 through 13, it says, the wicked gnash their teeth against the just and plot against them. But the Lord laughs because he knows their end. What does that mean? When people plot against you, God, when, people, when you have enemies like fighting against you, God's like... <laughs> God thinks it's so funny. Why? Because he knows he's betting on a fixed fight. He, he's betting on a fixed fight. He already knows the outcome. So he's like, your enemies can't touch you. Listen, I love having haters in my life now. <laughs> on social media, I get a lot of haters now. And I think it's funny. Like, I start laughing. People just say, like, crazy stuff online. And I think it's funny now. My haters are my motivators. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> because tigers don't lose sleep over the opinion of sheep. God doesn't take you deeper to drown you. He just knows your enemies can't swim. Ask the Egyptian charioteers. And if people are talking bad about you behind your back, they're behind you for a reason. So you can just love your enemies because the book of Psalms says he's put your enemies under your feet. So if you want to talk to your enemy, you better write it on your sneakers because he's under your feet. Come on. We have no fear of anybody. We love our enemies. But we do not fear people. We fight strong, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We are courageous. We are bold. We are fearless. No fear. How much fear? Zero. How much fear? None. How much fear? What is fear? We don't even have it anymore. Listen to this. I'm going to take it a step further. You can't have fear as a child of God. Why? Second Timothy says, you have not received the spirit of fear, but a power, the Greek word is dunamis, where we get our English word dynamite. In fact, science now says you are the energy equivalent of 30 large hydrogen bombs. You are literally dynamite. 30 large hydrogen bombs. So when someone's like, you're bomb.com. You're like, literally 30 large hydrogen bombs. You have received the spirit of dynamite, power, of love, and of a sound mind. Now, why don't we have anxiety or fear? Why do we have a sound mind? Because the Bible says in 1 John 4, watch this. God is love. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. He who fears has not been made perfect in love, but is still afraid of judgment. We have boldness on that day, the Bible says, because God is love and there is no fear in love. Now follow this a priori logic. If the Bible is right, and it is, when it says you are the temple for the Holy Spirit, that means God lives inside of you. And because God is love and there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, God and fear can't live in you at the same time. So if God is love and love casts out all fear and love is living inside you because you're the temple for the Holy Spirit, that means if you're fearful, it's because you're believing a lie. And you're not living up to who you've been all along, the temple for the Holy Spirit. 
We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, the Bible says, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, no more fear. Fear is sneaky. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, forget everything and run. But when you walk with the God of hope, it's F-E-A-R, face everything and rise. God's love casts out all fear. So as the temple for the Holy Spirit, when we have anxiety and fear, it's because we believe the lie. Fear is sneaky. tries to make you think it's reality. We need to know the truth of who we are. We are not a COG cog of the system. We are a COG child of God, our Savior. Come on, would somebody please say amen? This is big stuff. So I want to, I want to tell you today, as we, uh, as I'm going to read to you today's text. Like we don't have any fear anymore. And when I am afraid, when I feel anxious, it's because I'm believing a lie, and I need to remind myself of the truth that sets me free. That because I've received the spirit of adoption and the perfect love that I host as the temple of the living God, fear flees forever. Because the Old Testament was the sheep have to die for the sins of the shepherd, but the New Testament is the good shepherd dies for the sins of the sheep. The Old Testament was take off your shoes, this is holy ground. The New Testament is the father gives the prodigal son shoes for his feet because he's now worthy to stand in his presence as a son. The Old Testament was don't make any graven images of me, but the Garden of Eden is God says I've already made images of me. Man and woman are made in the image of God. So we see a guy walking a dog and we're like, oh, cute, a puppy. God sees a guy walking a dog. He's like, how adorable, a human. We are the highest form of God's creation. We are Imago Dei. Psalm Psalm says in chapter 8, we are crowned with glory and honor. Because Jesus didn't die on a cross just to make us live safe. He died on a cross to make us dangerous as we fight strong against the enemy. Jesus didn't just die on a cross to get us off this rock into heaven, but to get heaven to us while we're on this rock on the way to eternity because the kingdom of heaven is within you. Jesus didn't tear the temple veil just to get you into the presence. He tore the temple veil to get the presence into you. These are not blues. These are good news. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible, 66 books written by 40 different authors. And 14 of those books were written by Paul the Apostle. And Paul said in Romans 15.4 that the Bible was written to give us hope, which means if we walk away from a Bible study with less hope rather than more hope, it is a giant exercise in missing the point. Because the media hawks enough bad news, we need some more hope dealers who are going to declare the good news. We have enough Eeyores. We need some more Tiggers. We have enough people who tell it like it is. We need some more people who tell it like it can be. We have enough people who say, you're going to die soon. We need some more people who say, you ain't dead yet. We have enough people who mope around. We need some more people who spread hope around. Let's go. When you follow after God, this is sick. Watch this. Romans 8.37 says you are more than conquerors. Do you know what that is in the Greek? You are super over overcomers. <laughs> There's not even a, a, a phrase in English that equates to what the Greek language is saying. It's literally you are super over overcomers through him who loves you, which leads us to our text. Watch this. This is so amazing. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 through 14. If you're if you uh, have your Bible on, you turn here with me. This is big. Here we read, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. 
Be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. He says, be on guard. Be strong, be courageous. One translation says, acquit yourselves like men. Why? Because, my friends, when we know that the battle belongs to the Lord, we can start trash-talking the enemy as the most courageous kingdom ambassador warriors of all time. The most frequently repeated commandment in the Bible is do not fear. It's in this book 366 times. One for every day of the week and once on leap year too. <laughs> do not fear. Zero fear. Be strong. Be courageous. Be on guard. Paul tells us, stand fast in the faith. So what we can do is we can like literally start trash talking the enemy. Remember when David fought Goliath? He said, you are an uncircumcised Philistine. Ancient trash talk. He said, in the name of the Lord, I will chop off your head and I will feed your body to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And when I defeat you, everybody will know that there's a God in Israel today because you come at me with a sword, a javelin, and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies whom thou hast defied. The battle is not mine. The battle belongs to the Lord. And the Bible says David ran out to meet Goliath. <laughs> he didn't just face his fears. He said, I'm going to chase my fears. This little trash-talking, cheese-bearing, dairy milk kid from Bethlehem is running toward a nine foot six giant trash talking him. And by the way, trash talk's very biblical. <laughs> one time Jesus, uh, this is nuts. One time Jesus was told by the Pharisees, remember when Jesus was born, Herod tried to kill him? Well, Herod died and when Jesus was older, in his 30s, he left his kingdom to his successor Herod Antipas who was the richest man in all the land. The Pharisees said, Herod Antipas is trying to kill you, Jesus. And Jesus said, and I quote, Go tell that fox that I will continue healing and casting out demons. And on the third day, I will accomplish my goal. Now, if you were esteeming someone's greatness, you called them a lion. Which is why Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Further up, further in, Aslan is on the move. But... If you were calling somebody a fake, a poser, an imposter, or a pretender, you called them a fox. A fox was the biggest slam in the ancient world. So when I'm playing basketball, and I try to play basketball almost every day when I'm home, but I'm not home that much anymore. I kind of live out of a suitcase. But when I'm at home, I love to trash talk whoever's on the court, and I just say, WWJD. <laughs> what would Jesus do? I'm saying Jesus trash-talked Herod big time. Trash-talk is biblical. I'm just saying. Is anyone alive out there? <laughs> okay, here we go. Watch. He says, go tell that fox. Go tell that fox that nobody's going to stop me. So watch this. Herod tries to kill Jesus. Luke 8, verse 1 through 3, tells us that one of Jesus' female disciples was a woman named Joanna, who was the wife of Chuzza, and Chuzza was the steward and manager of Herod's household. So watch this. Herod, the richest man in all the land, trying to kill Jesus. Jesus trash talks him, calls him a fox. Herod, watch this. He has a manager named Chuzza. Chuzza would have been super rich because he was on Herod's payroll and siphoning off funds from his salary. Chuzza provides for his wife named Joanna. Joanna starts following Jesus. And Luke 8.3 tells us that Joanna started paying Jesus to fund his ministry. 
So Herod tried to kill Jesus. Are you tracking with me? He then hires Chuzza. Chuzza is his household manager. Chuzza gets rich on Herod's staff. Chuzza marries Joanna. He provides for Joanna. Joanna then takes that money and starts Luke 8.3 providing for Jesus' ministry and supporting him and giving funds to Jesus. So Herod didn't know it, but he was indirectly trying, he was trying to stamp out Jesus' ministry, and yet he was indirectly funding the very Jesus movement he was trying to stamp out. <laughs> what the enemy means for evil, the Lord means for good. That's why we can just love our enemies and we don't have to fear them. We can trash talk principalities and powers because we know that whatever anybody does to try to fight against us, God is strong on our behalf for us. He's good. So be strong and of good courage. Stand your ground and fear not. Remember one guy said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes. He was speaking of Herod. Well, folks, you just heard from Ben Corson. Like Pablo said earlier, he's a pastor over at the Young Adult Pastor over at Applegate Christian Fellowship in Oregon. And uh, we appreciate uh, him being at camp and speaking at camp this last June. We had over 350 athletes there, junior high and high school athletes, and another 60 college athletes and close to 100 coaches and, and staff there as well. And so it was just a great time, wasn't it, Pablo? It was amazing time of seeing, uh, you know, close to 600 people gather at NNU for a week. And then from the five-year-old coach's kids to the 50-year-old coach, everybody was encouraged and challenged and um, strengthened in their, in their walk with the Lord. Well, folks, hope you enjoyed that. We're going to get to hear from uh, Dan Russell next week. Dan Russell is uh, another one of our speakers that was at the last night of camp. And so we're looking forward to hearing from him. And uh, I'm sure you will be too. Well, Pablo, it's been great to have you on the program again this morning. Hey, thanks, Ken. See you soon. Thanks for listening today. If you are interested in getting involved with FCA or would like to donate to the FCA ministry, you can contact us through the FCA Idaho website at fcaidaho.org. Join us next week for The Heart of the Athlete, a production of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Idaho and KBXL, The Voice. You